You are listening to From the Midwest to the Middle East, the latest on U.S. tax, Israeli economy, and lots of in-between. Interviewing Israeli and international experts. Chicago, Chicago, that Welcome to our podcast. I am Philip Stein, president of Philip Stein & Associates. Hi, I'm very pleased today to be speaking to a friend, colleague, uh, Michael Eisenberg. Uh, he may not have written the book Startup Nation, but I would definitely say he is uh, the face of Startup Nation. He's been involved uh, despite his youthful, his young age from the very, I'd say, the beginning of the Israeli high-tech scene. And I'm really uh, honored and pleased to be able to speak to him for a few minutes today. Uh, Michael, welcome. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for the kind words. And, uh, Michael, you have been around a long time. I think even in uh, 50 years from now, you'll be able to, to write the ultimate history of the Israeli high-tech scene, God willing. But uh, I want to first start just, uh, we are in 2012, and uh, you've seen a lot of changes over the years, and, and you've been both a uh, promoter and, and a critic of the Israeli high-tech scene. Uh, what, how do you see things today? in uh, the end of the first quarter of 2012? Uh, it's a pretty broad question, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to tackle it. I think we're in kind of a transformational period in Israeli high-tech. I think the first uh, two decades, some say from 1992 to 2012, uh, were really startup nation in that it was uh, innovation-driven, uh, we've transitioned somewhat uh, through the layers of the technology stack from infrastructure like communications equipment, semiconductors, and at the time enterprise software, into more cloud-based and even some consumer internet uh, plays right now. But it was just a lot of uh, innovation in pretty uh, small to medium-sized market niches. Uh, and even when we hit larger market spaces, uh, there didn't seem to be the wherewithal or the willingness to kind of go the distance and build very, very large companies. And there's a variety of reasons for this. Some of it is because um, you know, people wanted to make some money and take it off the table in a country that's fraught with risk. Uh, some of it was just short-term thinking, which pervades uh, Israel in general. Some of it was lack of experience in scaling up. Some of it was lack of management talent. Some of it was, hey, we're just good at starting up things and innovating and less good at scaling up, and every country and entrepreneur should focus on what they're good at. I think a number of changes recently are, uh, are pushing Israel to the other side of that, of that cavern uh, and moving us to more of a scale-up, or what I've been referring to recently as scale-up nation, and an attempt to build ever-larger companies. It's hard to sit around here and watch things like Instagram, Facebook, and Google happen uh, and not have a certain amount of uh, Zionist envy for that, and uh, I think the influx of uh, U.S. And, and European venture capital firms who have longer-term thinking generally and more experience building large companies and second-time entrepreneurs and a host of people coming back from Silicon Valley to Israel, uh, immigration of Westerners who have uh, who've grown up in larger societies. One cannot compare someone who grew up in a 7 million person country to someone who grew up in a 300 million person country uh, in terms of their view of scale. All these things are kind of coming together, I think, to uh, start to create some uh, some companies of scale and some companies that want to scale up to larger businesses. And not to go on forever, but 
Uh, you see a couple of these coming now. Uh, you see entrepreneurs like Ronin Shiloh at Conduit. Uh, this week it was, uh, and for full disclosure, we're involved there. Uh, this week it was leaked that the company did a transaction well above a billion dollars. Uh, companies like Wix were also involved. Companies like Outbrain, uh, where the founder, Yaron Galai, is a second-time entrepreneur. Um, and a host of others. Uh, that are really trying to make a run at this to create the, the multi-billion dollar Israeli company, where the only kind of example of that for the last two decades is Checkpoint. So hopefully we can create a few more this time. That's 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 very encouraging. I, I, having been also and worked uh, in this scene for a long time, my question to you is, do you, as I remember in the dot-com era, uh, and post dot com era, there was always a question: Is did you have enough local talent here uh, to create these companies? Do do you see with all these trends enough local talent, or that you'll still have to get to a certain point and then and, and then move into an acquisition stage? That's a great question, uh, Phil. I've written fairly extensively about this in a series of posts uh, called the Humus Manifesto. Uh, that appeared on my blog in English and in the marker in Hebrew. Uh, I think uh, for a variety of reasons, the answer to that question is maybe. Uh, trending to no. Uh, there, is, there is a dearth of engineering talent in this country on advanced platforms. Uh, what does that mean? It means we have a host of engineers uh, who work at outsourcing companies and in parts of the government who are trained on uh, outdated or, or some in some cases Microsoft platforms, but the platform of choice today is is open source scalable uh, technologies. That's because of two reasons. One is a lot of people here are trained on older platforms, whether it's at the outsourcing companies or in in, in government, where Microsoft is the platform of choice. Uh, whereas in the startup world or the internet world or the cloud world, it certainly is not. Um, and then. Uh, the second thing is is that, admirably, many Israelis want to start their own businesses. It's why this country is so lively and, you know, we have so much innovation here. But we can't have, uh, in a country of 7 million people, an endless number of two- to four-person startups. It makes it tougher for businesses like Outbrain, Wix, Conduit, Seeking Alpha to scale. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So what would you sell to, let's say, the young engineer? Don't go in with your friend out of the Army and start in the garage. Those days are over. Uh, look for a larger organization, and you'll get a longer-term job experience there and maybe also still create a great deal of wealth. Yeah, I find it hard to... Uh, uh kind of track people like that. I think most important for everybody is to follow their passion. Uh, we live in an era in which kind of the, the notion of, of big companies and big corporations is crumbling, and the, the meme of the day or the, the ethos of the day is entrepreneurship in every category, not just in high-tech. It's true in, in everything from high-tech to party planning to making little plastic bottles. Uh, there are startups everywhere, and there's a chance to disrupt uh, big corporate America or the Fortune 5000, everywhere you look. So I'll be the last guy to tell people not to not to follow their entrepreneurial passion. What I would say is just check in if you're if you're passionate enough to really build something truly disruptive and 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 go up against the the titans uh, to make it happen. Would you say we're we're sort of past the golden era of uh, 
you know, the two guys in the garage, as they say. Oh, no, we're at the beginning of the golden era. This is, we're, we're entering, I think, a phase now of the global economy um, where uh, corporations, large corporations, are getting leaner and leaner and leaner because they need to. The uh, world's getting more competitive. Uh, some of them are having a hard time to survive, and you've got lots of people who spent their lives climbing the career ladder uh, at, at corporations who are talented people but are getting laid off or finding that their work is no longer meaningful to them. And these people will go out and start companies, one person, two person in a garage or what's becoming more in vogue now, uh, shared space or co-working space, uh, which is popping up all over the United States and a little bit in Europe and a tiny bit in Israel. And they'll go out and disrupt every industry, like I said, from plastics to plastic bottles to uh, haircuts to technology to advertising to you name it to hedge funds to banking by the way so I think we're in the golden age of the two person startup and would you say we are still despite the and we'll talk a few minutes just about the area risk but uh, despite our place in the world where we're physically placed are we still our na- our natural partner for these type of you know opportunities is the United States or do you, do you see Israelis heading into other places Europe Asia even Africa I think everywhere right? you know since the beginning of time like companies like Soleil Bonnet and the uh, Israel aircraft industries have been building things in Africa and Israelis uh, hike and tour all over India and Southeast Asia and Brazil and South America um, I think Israeli entrepreneurship and the ethos of startup nation are as applicable anywhere in the world as they are in the United States. That's certainly encouraging. So let me just ask you, in terms of we do we do live, as uh, some of our politicians like to call it, in, in a tough neighborhood. Have you seen in any trends where people are risk aversive to to you know, being in a, a company, being in Israel, or that they, when they see a company, let's say, coming along to a certain stage to relocate uh, because of this political risk? You know, when I first started about 20 years ago in this business, I I, uh, I did hear that. I, I haven't heard it in over a decade. Mm-hmm. You know, even during the time of the Second Lebanon War, things went on uh, unabated. We had guys at one of our companies that had a lot of pilots that would fly sorties over Lebanon in the morning and then be coding in the afternoon until noon. <laughs> Funny. Okay, so what would you see? What 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 do you think uh, we'll be seeing? Let's say 2012, 2013. What will be the things when we open the the tech section of uh, the Wall Street Journal um, or the or the Marker or even USA Today? Are we going to still be a, a year of mobile? Or are we going to be reading about? Uh, Apple versus Android or Microsoft versus the, those two companies, or are we going to be talking about clouds? What do you think of the things that uh, the, the investor or the layperson is going to be looking at? Oh, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know. I try not to predict things. I can tell you that I'm spending a fair amount of time in the areas of uh, mobile, uh, cloud, uh, and agriculture of all places. I think if you look out at the world right now, uh, the single biggest problem facing the world is how we're going to feed all these people um, and, and, and get them fresh water, or enough water for their agriculture. And uh, I think, it, quite interestingly, at the intersection of mobile, cloud, internet, and agriculture, there's a hell of a lot of opportunity. And it would seem we in Israel are well-placed to serve all of those uh those markets. I think that's exactly right. I think, you know, the, the history of Jaffa oranges... Um, actually persists until today. Israel is 
perhaps the most advanced agricultural technology country on the planet. Um, and we are very good at cross-disciplinary technologies because of uh, both because of the military and because of kind of the cross-disciplinary bent and cur natural curiosity of Israeli entrepreneurs. So um, with the expertise in agricultural technology and in growing very delicious fruits and vegetables, as you know, Phil, I'm sure some of your, your audiences in America, if any of them have ever come here and tasted our fruits and vegetables, it's hard to go back home. Right. I, I know my own daughter, a 12-year-old, went to the States, and she said uh, she couldn't eat the tomatoes there. She was so spoiled uh, in terms of the local. So that, that, is, that is a truth. <laughs> ne ne next time she comes, I'll have to send her to a friend of mine in Northern California who grows heirloom tomatoes, and he'll get or something that tastes close to what a tomato here tastes like. But, uh, you know, at the intersection of all this, there's, there's a whole lot to do. And I think the other big theme, which is enabled by mobile and, and all this, is, is local. Um, the antidote to, to the too-big-to-fail conundrum and syndrome of 2008 is local. And ultimately, if you think about systems and system theory, um, Things that are too big to fail are really dangerous um, for economies, and the and, and the way to get away from that, or as I started to say, the antidote to that is lots of little things, um, and lots of little things means doing things on a much more local scale uh, rather than a big, broad, global, national, and international scales. Okay, so let me ask you. Let me take those two terms, local and your industry, the venture capital industry. Uh, do you see that Israel has the ability, I know most of the, the funds, the well-known funds over there is, have been affiliated with bigger funds, let's say from the U.S. or Europe, but do you see that we have the capability today after a lot of wealth has been created in this country to, to create a local venture capital industry? I'm not sure what you mean by that 100%, but we have had, the first 18 to 20 years has, of Israeli venture capital has been marked by uh, by local funds, Gemini, Genesis, uh, Pitango. With all the wealth that's been created, that one doesn't have to go abroad to raise a fund. I guess that's what I'm referring to. I think that that's been everyone's hope or wish for a long time, and I just I guess I don't see that happening. I don't think the Israeli fund managers have the outlook or desire to invest in this asset class locally, even despite that what they've seen and how much. You know, wealth has been created, and, and, and with the talent. Yeah, just too risky. For people who for years were brought up in buying government bonds, right? The other thing to keep in mind is that the venture industry is a very lopsided industry in terms of returns. The top decile or quartile of funds reaps the vast majority of returns in this industry. And it may be tough for the, for the local LPs, limited partners or investors, to get into that top quartile or decile of funds. Any closing words uh, for my listeners in terms of Israel and, and uh, what, what to look forward to uh, or why people should come here either to start a business or invest? The most exciting place to be right now in the world, and it's uh, a place where you can make a big impact uh, just as one or two person because it's only a 7 million person country. So uh, I'm not sure who your listeners are, but the more they come here, stay here, spend time here, uh, and, and get uh, infected in a positive sense, by the innovation, the spirit of innovation that's here, um, they'll want to be here evermore. It's just a fantastic place to be right now and forever.
That's certainly, I, you have my agreement there, and we look forward to reading about you and hearing about your, uh, your new adventures, as I call them, in the coming years. Thanks for your friendship over time and for this, for this opportunity. Appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www.peacestein.com or look for Philip Stein Associates on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Goodbye.